Hello, ladies. Welcome to the Daily Bread podcast hosted by the Women Well. We pray today you are brought near to the Father's heart and you receive daily bread from His presence through this conversation. Enjoy. Hello, beautiful women of the well. This is Bailey. I am back at it again. We're here for another episode, and I'm so excited um, because today I get to share with you guys about one of my favorite women ever in the entire history of the world, and that's Mary of Bethany. And I am so stoked because you'll see why, but she, just the story of Mary of Bethany, I think, um, is really significant to what the Lord's doing in this hour in women, but mainly in the bride of Christ. So I'm just going to open up in prayer and we're going to get straight into it. But I'm so glad you guys are here. I'm so glad you guys are listening or you're watching. Um, And this is just an honor to be with you amazing women week after week in these incredible uh, podcast episodes. So let's just invite the Lord and get right into it. Jesus, We just thank you so much, God, for every woman listening to this right now. I thank you, God, that whether they're driving in their cars or they're um, at home or they're cooking or they're doing their laundry, whatever it is that they're doing right now, I thank you, Jesus, that you see them, you know them, and Lord, I ask for your word to come alive to them right now. Jesus, we ask for your presence to just flood their homes, flood their cars, flood their minds and their hearts. Lord, would you just tangibly be felt um, in the midst of your daughters today? In Jesus' name, amen. So a little backstory about how I even came to be a part of One Voice Student Missions, which is, you know, the umbrella over the well. Um, Back in 2016, you, some of you guys listening to this right now, may be familiar with this, but there was a little gathering called Azusa Now in Los Angeles, California, and I was probably about 17 or 18 years old, and I remember um, watching the live stream of Azusa Now, which was led by Lou Engel and The Call, and Azusa Now was a 12-hour prayer, fasting, and um, worship gathering. So literally, people from every, like, every nation was pretty much represented there. People from all over the world were streaming in and were present. I, I can't remember the exact number, but I believe it was about 30,000, 40,000 people gathered in the Coliseum um, Arena in Los Angeles, California. And for 12 hours, they were praying, crying out, fasting, and exalting Jesus, asking the Lord to turn America back to God. And I was about 17 or 18 years old, and I remember sitting in my bedroom, looking at my laptop, and just being completely wrecked by the presence of God. Um, I had never seen anything like that in my entire life. I had never seen um, such a hunger and a desperation for, uh, especially for all these nations coming together, crying out for one thing, and that was for America to literally come into full repentance and be restored back to Jesus. It was just like, it was magnetic. It was irresistible. And I remember just being so transformed 
by watching that gathering. So much so that in my little small town in Florida, I remember asking the Lord in my bedroom, watching the live stream, God, I don't know what that is. I don't know what this is, but I want to be wherever that flame is, wherever that fire is. I want to be around people who are burning for you just like that. And God heard that cry because literally, um, I remember right after that, I kept getting this message from this person on Facebook who I don't even know how we became friends on Facebook. It was the most random thing ever. We never met. We had no mutual friends. We didn't know each other. And like right after the Azusa Now gathering, he kept messaging me saying, hey, I'm a leader at YWAM Kansas City. And... I really think that you should come and be a part of this school that we're having. And it's called Messengers School of Revivalists in America. And I looked at the school and it had all the same people that were there at Azusa Now. And it was like a little, it was like a two month little school. And it was just about training and activating people into how to, like how to be revivalist in whatever sphere and uh, stream that they're in how to actually walk and carry revival wherever they go in America. And I was so, I was definitely like, I gotta go. I gotta, whatever it takes, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna go to that. So I did. And uh, I just, that very first week, I I knew that I was being caught up in a storyline that I could have never dreamed of. (laughs) I could have never made happen in my own strength. It was the storyline in the hand of God, literally like directing my steps and uh, catching me up and what he was doing in America as a nation and what he was doing in the Bride of Christ. Um, And so lo and behold, that very first week, I accidentally wasn't supposed to, it wasn't planned. Um, I led worship one of the nights that a man named Brian Barcelona, who is Marcelo Barcelona, the founder of The Wells, husband. Um, and Brian, if you don't know who that is, he is the founder of One Voice. So I lead worship that night. Wasn't planned, wasn't supposed to happen, but uh, it was a last minute thing. And Brian spoke about revival in high schools. And right after that, the next day, he messages me on uh, Instagram and was like, hey, I know we don't know each other, but like, you need to hop on a Skype call with me and my wife. And I hop on the Skype call and literally like Brian is like, I just know that you're supposed to move uh, from Florida, whatever you're doing with your life, you're going to leave everything and join us in Los Angeles. And we're going to reach the high school campuses of America. And immediately my heart was like, ah, (laughs) I don't know if I'm ready to leave everything. I don't know if this is for me. I'm literally 18 years old. I've never led anything by myself, like, because he also invited me to lead the worship team. I had never done anything like this in my entire life. Um, and I was scared. It was a scary thing to leave everything I've ever known and all that I have loved all my life behind. Um, but it was very clear that the Lord was inviting me into something bigger and to lay it all down. And as I'm praying about a decision... Um, I'm like begging God for a no. (laughs) I'm like, please say no. I don't want to go. I'm good. Like anything but Los Angeles, anything but like why high school is like, that's so random. Um, And as I'm praying, I open up my Bible and the first thing 
that I land on is Matthew 25 and 26, which is the story of Mary of Bethany. And as I'm reading the story of Mary of Bethany um, in Matthew 26 specifically, the Lord speaks to me and he says, if you would just pour out your life like Mary of Bethany did, I promise you it will never be wasted. You will never regret giving me everything and wasting, wasting your life on me. Um, And I knew that I knew that I knew right then and there and the Lord was saying yes. And he was inviting me into a crazy wild adventure. And seven years later, here I am (laughs) still here, still a part of this wild ride and wild journey. But I want to just talk to you guys a little bit about what it looks like to exhaust your life for the glory of Jesus. And I know your story may not look like mine. Maybe you're not being invited into a missions field. Maybe you're not being invited into ministry, you know, conventional ministry. Maybe there's somewhere the Lord's calling you that um, you know that he's been pressing on your heart. You know that he's been speaking to you. You know that he's been inviting you and uh, you've been scared or maybe you've been hesitant or there's been fears or there's been questions or, you know, you've withheld certain areas of like, you can have this, but just don't touch this thing. I want you to know you're not alone. <laughs> We've all been there. I guarantee you that most people you talk to who've been following Jesus for quite some time have walked through the very same thing. But I guarantee you, they could probably all tell you this as well. It will never be wasted. Your yes to Jesus will never be wasted. It's not for nothing. There's something that Jesus is culminating and cultivating in your simple obedience. So sometimes you got to say yes when you're scared. (laughs) Sometimes you got to do it when it doesn't make sense. When I said yes, even to the simple yes of, you know, moving from Florida to Los Angeles without knowing anybody, without really knowing why God's inviting me into a campus missions movement. It didn't make sense. There wasn't something that I could like, you know, besides uh, Azusa Now and what God had been speaking to me about Revival in America, there wasn't really like a prophetic history prior to that moment. It was a simple invitation that because I love him and because I trust him, I was willing to go anywhere. I was willing to go or to do anything because I just wanted to be with him where he is. And if he's in the if he's in the high schools, then that's where I want to be. If God's in the nations, that's where I want to be. If God, you know, is in the orphanages, if God's in your workplace, if God's moving in your family, go where he is leading you. Follow the Holy Spirit's leading and just say yes. So with all that said, I want to talk about Mary Bethany. So if you have your Bibles, if you don't, it's okay. I'll read it anyways. Um, But open up to Matthew 26. And I'm going to just unpack some of these things here. Um, But in Matthew 26, it says this. Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished all these sayings that he said to his disciples, you know that after two days is the Passover and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Then the chief priests, the scribes, the elders of the people assembled at the palace of the high priest, who was called Cyphus, and plotted to take Jesus by trickery 
and kill him. And when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him having an alabaster flask of very costly oil. And she poured it out on his head as he sat at the table. But when his disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor. But when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, Why do you trouble this woman? For she has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, but me you do not have always. For in pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in this whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Crazy. Mic drop. Okay, so I just want to go over a few things about Mary at Bethany. First of all, we see in the very first verse in Matthew 26, Jesus was only a day away from his death. If you were only a few days away from your death that you knew was coming, how would you spend your last few hours? How would you plan your last 24, 48 hours of life? Like, I'm pretty sure you would pick the most significant things in your life and you make those things like priority of like, I don't care what comes up, I'm going to make sure I go see that person. No matter whatever happens, you know, whatever gets in the way, I'm going to say goodbye to my mom. I'm going to spend time with this person for the last time. I'm going to make sure I say these things, these words. And it's just, it's very profound to me that Jesus, knowing that his mission, why he came to earth, was coming to an end, um, that he chose to spend time with his, his best friends. Because as you see, when it says that he went to Bethany and he was in the house of Simon the leper, like in that room, not only was it Simon who was healed of leprosy, Mary and Martha, who literally witnessed the resurrection of their brother, Lazarus, who was the one raised from the dead, was in the room. And then you have all the disciples present in the room who literally have seen Jesus open blind eyes, heal deaf ears, raise the dead, cast out demons. Like there's a whole lot of testimony of Jesus in the room. And Jesus literally chose in his last few hours to spend time in the Passover feast with his best friends. Like to me, that just speaks volumes that Jesus is looking for friends. Like Jesus, you know, in his last few hours, he literally, like, I mean, I can imagine just like, you know, the movie Gladiator or 300 or something or Braveheart. He literally could have like, you know, gone into town and be like, listen, y'all are about to know today who I am. Like you're about to see and like unleash his glory and start war and, you know, slay all his enemies. Like he totally could have done that. But Jesus chose He chose, he chose, he chose to be with friends because Jesus is longing for friends. And um, I I won't get too much into it, but in the prior chapter, Matthew 25, uh, Jesus literally talks about the parable of the virgins. And we know this parable, I'm sure, where there's five foolish, 
five wise virgins. And they're there, you know, for the, the wedding feast of the lamb, for the wedding. And they're waiting for the bridegroom to come. And some of them ran out of oil on their lamps and the others stored up oil. And you see, like, there's a panic. There's, you know, like, oh, my gosh, I don't have oil. What if he comes? He won't. I won't be able to see him. He won't be able to see me. And they go and quickly buy oil and they miss him. Those who didn't have oil, those who didn't have friendship, those who didn't have intimacy and relationship with the bridegroom, they missed him. And when the bridegroom in the parable closed the door to the wedding, he says, literally, he says, I don't know you. And that's so true. Like not, you know, not to bring fear of, you know, you're not good enough or you need to do more. That's not it. But really, it's about having friendship with Jesus. Just for a moment, like lay aside your ministry to do's, lay aside your accolades, lay aside, you know, all the things that you think Jesus is looking for in you. He's not looking for you to be a better leader. He's not looking for you to, you know, release more worship albums, speaking myself. He's not looking for you to like, you know, check all the to-do things off your list. He's longing for you to know him. The greatest success is to be loved by him and to love him. That's it. And there's a whole lot of, you know, your whole life falls under those things. Everything stems from those things. But that's what he's looking for. He's looking for those who love him and who are loved by him. So as you see, Jesus is choosing to spend his final days with his best friends. And this is during the the Passover feast. And you've got crazy testimony in the room. And literally, like, you see Mary, who's in the midst of, uh, you know, a party, essentially. Like, if you know anything about the Jewish feasts, like, they're not... I always picture them growing up being kind of like stoic and boring of just like, hoya, ya, shoya. <laughs> just like really like boring feast. I don't know. Forgive me, guys. Please don't judge me. Um, but I've actually been to a few Shabbat dinners recently and um, hearing about just Jewish culture. It is fun. It is loud. It is exciting. It is full of people, lots of food, like celebration, blessing, like songs like there's so much joy in the room and these Jewish feasts like it's fun um that's what people look forward to Shabbat you know it's like a fun thing that people look forward to every week and uh just Mary she's in the midst of this party like picture yourself in a room buzzing and there's like conversation everywhere and everyone's talking and it's just loud with conversation and there's Mary who, if you know, but prior to this special moment, she had another moment with Jesus when he first came into her house where she was found at his feet. So they have history. Jesus and Mary have history where she was constantly found at his feet. And here's this moment where Mary is remembering. She is remembering the countless times that Jesus has spoken about his final days. And you even see it. Matthew 26, verse 1. Jesus is literally telling his disciples for, I don't know how many times he said this before, but like, like Jesus is literally reiterating to them again and again and again, you will not always have me. Like I am literally going to be delivered up to death. Like what I've been saying to you is about to come to pass. These are the moments. This is the time. Like, here we go. 
And Mary's remembering. She believed him. She believed in who he said he was. She believed that he really had to do this. And so as the room's buzzing with conversation, all this stuff, like Mary, because you have to think about this. This had to have been calculated for her to get the oil. Spikenard, which is the kind of oil that uh, Mary poured out, spikenard, even present day, it's found um, in the mountains of the Himalayas, like in, in the Nepal area. And um, you really do have to travel really, really high heights, uh, high altitudes to get to this, this plant where they crush it and get the oil out. Spikenard. Google it. It's, it's, it's a very fascinating process. But literally, the only way that you could reach this plant in the Himalayan mountains was through like a donkey. <laughs> literally. There's no roads. There's no like you know, ski lift up to the, the spikenard plant. There's, it's quite a process. It's a rare, costly um, oil to get. And especially back in those days, when they would take oil, they would take a huge clay pot and they would seal it with like a thick layer of animal fat. So this had to have been calculated. When Mary went to go get the oil, it wasn't like a little olive oil jar. <laughs> Just like, ooh, yay. It's this big, heavy pot that she has to crack through like sealed animal fat to get to. And she's lugging this thing across the room to lift it up over her head and pour the whole thing out over the head of Jesus. Like that, that was not just a spur of the moment inspiration. I, in the same way that Jesus was pondering and it was in the, the dream of his heart to spend the last final moments that he had on this earth with his best friends in the same way Mary was like, how can I show him that I love him on his final moments here on earth? She believed him. When he said that he came to die, she believed him and she seized the moment. Because the truth is, I'm, I mean, Bill Johnson has said this too. There are some moments in, in worship that you will never get back. And I'm not just talking about worship music. I'm talking about there are moments of pain. There are moments of disappointment. There are moments of tragedy and heartbreak that you will never get that opportunity again to worship Jesus in the pain, in the questions, in the suffering. It's a costly worship. It costs you something to show Jesus, I love you more. I love you. And that's how it was for Mary. I mean, Jesus, to be honest, like, I don't recall him speaking too much about his resurrection, even though Jesus was going to be resur resurrected and it was going to be amazing. But honestly, he just spoke a lot to the disciples about the death, the coming death. I'm going to be delivered up like the son of man is coming to lay his life down. He's coming to serve, not to be served. I'm coming as a lamb to, to be led to the slaughter. Like... It just sounds really sad, <laughs> especially if you're, you're someone's best friend and they're, you know, telling you over and over again, I'm going to die. I'm going to be a lamb led to slaughter. 
it'd be like, geez, like that's depressing. Like, uh, you know, it, there's grief. There's question of like, what do you mean? Like you're dying. You just got here. What are you talking about? And in the same way, Mary didn't know the full story. Mary didn't know what was on the other side of her. Yes. Mary didn't know, you know, if she would ever see Jesus again. Mary just knew that she loved him. She believed him and she was never going to get that moment back. And so she was going to seize the moment and poured everything out. And that oil wasn't just a representation of whatever, of wealth, of money. It was a representation of her livelihood. It was a representation of her life. It was a representation of everything she had to her name. So in a way, it was as if she was saying, Jesus, I'm literally laying down my life for you because you're laying your life down for me. So it was just, a, you know, it's a beautiful, extravagant act of worship. And I can just imagine in the midst of all the noise and the chaos and the conversation, the minute that strong, earthy scent, because Spike Nard has a really strong, musty, earthy, dirty kind of smell, literally. If you've ever smelled like essential oils, like Spike Nard especially, you could still buy it today, by the way, if you want. <laughs> it's still really expensive. But you can buy Spike Nard and it has a very strong, dirty smell. I don't know how else to explain it, but that. And I can just imagine that like scent hitting the nose of everyone in the room and everyone just like quietly turning like, what is that smell? And seeing Jesus sitting there dripping from top to bottom with this strong smell of oil, <laughs> just dripping with oil. If you've ever had oil drip, like, poured out on your head, I'm sure it was nothing compared to this. It was messy. Oil gets in your hair. It gets in your skin. Like if you've ever gotten oil poured out on your head or something, it's a mess. Okay. And it can stain your hair and your pores and your clothes and everything for a long time. And so Jesus is literally getting drenched with Mary's act of love, with her costly worship. And the whole room is immediately like all eyes on this. And if you've ever seen anyone who is in a relationship or, you know, like those really touchy-feely, overly affectionate couples where they're constantly just like all up on each other, there's something about it that you're just like, ew, like it offends you in a way of just like, please stop. But also like you can't ignore it because it's right there. Like it's almost like they want you <laughs> to see just like how much they love each other. Um, and it was the same way with, with Mary and Jesus, like her private devotion with Jesus, her private relationship with Jesus became this public display of affection and no one in the room could ignore it. And it was offensive because true love looks like something true love. I mean, you guys know if someone is constantly saying, I love you, I love you, I love you, but they never show it. Like you start to question, do you? <laughs> Do you love me as much as you say? And here, it was the rubber meeting the road of Mary's yes, of Mary's friendship, of Mary's hidden, you know, at his feet kind of love. This was an extravagant, I don't care what anyone in the room thinks of me kind of love. I love you. 
And as she's pouring out this oil, and as the whole room, you know, is indignant, offended, truly, like, Jesus stands up in her defense, and he literally says that if you truly care about the poor, about the money, if you truly are so upset about how much, you know, this mu- or this oil was worth, and, you know, it being poured out and wasted, what you consider waste, like, you're, you'll be fine. You'll always have the poor. You'll always have something else to worry about. You will always find something to put your affection in. You'll always find something that is, quote unquote, better. But she has chosen the better thing. And you will not always have this moment. You will not always have me. And she chose the better thing and it won't be taken away from her. And then he says this audacious statement. Wherever the gospel is preached, what she has just done will be spoken for eternity. Could you imagine your act of love, your simple yes to Jesus being remembered for eternity? That literally heaven is talking about what you did. Like that's crazy. That is literally crazy. So all in all, All of this to say what Mary did um, in pouring out her life for Jesus, like it is, it's not just a cute Bible story. It's not just something we read and think, oh, that's nice. This is literally the call of a believer. This is the posture that Jesus is inviting all of us to take up, that we would deny ourselves pick up our cross and follow Jesus. I can only imagine that as Jesus is walking up Golgotha, as he is marching up that hill, carrying that heavy wooden tree on his back, just a a few hours later, you know, a day later, 24 hours later, I can only imagine that strong scent still being on his beard, still being in his hair, him still smelling the oil that Mary had just poured out. The reminder of literally like the earthy smell of spikenard being poured on the son of God, heaven and earth, being reminded this is why I've come. This is why I'm laying my life down so that I can love them with no space between, no more separation, no more chasm, no more distance. I want them to come in close. I mean, that's what it says, even in, I I think it's Colossians, where it says that uh, those who were once far off have been uh, brought in close, brought near by the blood of Jesus. This is what Jesus is inviting all of us into, to have true, abandoned, undignified, costly love for Jesus. That even if your family thinks you're crazy, even if you're scared, even if, you know, You post something about Jesus on Instagram and everybody hates you for it. (laughs) And everyone unfollows you. Who cares? He's so worthy. His love is so much greater. And every other love pales in comparison to this love. So I just want to encourage you guys. Hidden affection. Let your hidden affection, your hidden love, your hidden intimacy, your hidden friendship in the secret, let it become audacious public love for the one who gave it all, for the one who is laying, who laid his life down 
so that we could come in close. So if you're listening to this right now, and maybe God has been calling you to the mission field, maybe he has been calling you to do something even and, you know, forgive that person who deeply wounded you. Maybe it's something you just had a great loss in your life and you have no idea how you're going to worship Jesus in this moment. I want to encourage you right now. You will never get this exact moment in your life, this moment in time to love Jesus in this way ever again. Seize the moment. Be the Mary of Bethany. Seize the moment. She seized the moment to be the one, the first one at his feet. She seized the moment to be the first one to give it all. Seize the moment. It will not be wasted. Whether it is loss or, you know, whatever. Like, whatever it is, you fill in the blank. Whatever it is that you're walking in your life right now, he's so much better. Choose the better thing. Choose the greater thing, and it's Jesus. So I just want to pray for you guys as we close that you would be like Mary of Bethany, that you would have a posture of giving it all. Um, And even like with my story I shared in the beginning about Azusa Now, there's a story that God's writing in the earth right now, and he's not looking for workers. (laughs) Like he's not working for um, people he can just hire on to his staff to, you know, accomplish all the things on the to-do list before the great commissions fulfill. He's looking for lay down lovers. That's the only way. That is the only way that souls are going to be won. That's the only way that the great commission is going to be fulfilled. That's the only way that we're going to see his return is through love. Because if we have not love, we have nothing. You could be literally delivered up as a martyr you know, lay your life down at the stake. And if you don't have love, it's for nothing. So right now, choose to love him above everything with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So let's just pray. Jesus, thank you, Lord God, that you are the better thing. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. You are the better thing. You're the better thing. And we choose you. We choose you. Every other earthly affection, every other accolade, every other goal, every other lover, it is all a lesser affection, a lesser goal, a lesser desire compared to you. God, you are the only one we want. So Lord, would you help us to say yes and whatever whatever it is that you're inviting us into, whatever it is you're asking of us, whatever it is, Jesus, even if it's the simple Will you love me? (laughs) Even if it's a simple invitation to lay it all down, Lord, would you help us to give you our yes? Even if it's weak. God, even if it's a small reach. Thank you, Lord, that a bruised rod, God, a bruised reed, excuse me, you will not break. God, a smoldering flick, Jesus, of, of on a wick, Lord, you will not snuff out. So, Lord, thank you that even our small, weak yes, God, you see it and it moves you. Help us to be laid down lovers. Teach us to be your Mary of Bethany's. To the ends of the earth, God, we want to be laid down lovers. God, this is our success, to love you and to be loved by you. So we choose you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 
Well, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode, this week's uh, podcast for the Daily Bread podcast. We love you guys so much. We're so grateful for you. Don't forget to download the Well app. Uh, We have it on the Apple Store or your local app store. (laughs) Your local. Your (laughs) app store. Um, And just make sure you, you search up the Well app. It is amazing. And there's so many resources there. And you could even see the video of this if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. So we love you guys so much, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.